HQ, folks. XQ quality. Better than HQ, but no one knows what the X stands for, except for extremely good. <clears throat> Here we go. Episode 181 of Channel Massive. I know, uh, wow, Mark's that was awesome. Yes. Feel the thunder. <laughs> <laughs> so you got Mark and Noah here. I'm Noah. I'm Mark. guessing that was Mark. <laughs> yeah, Mark is the uh, silence that we will enjoy throughout the show. Silence I'm happy to say... <laughs> we, we we warned you in the last episode we're gonna have Coast making a comeback and we're very happy to have Scott join us. From episode. the south. Yes. Is it is it uh April of last year? No. <laughs> Close. This is not a League of Legends podcast. <laughs> that true. is an important thing to note because some people would be like, oh no, <laughs> it's not. Some people may be sad about that. That's true. Others will be happy, but we'll probably still talk about League of Legends. Just. Briefly, mostly what we're going to talk about mostly is the Old Republic because Scott's been really playing it a lot and Mark wants to talk about the game with someone who's actually playing it and really excited about it. And that's not me. Talking to Noah about his gameplay experience has been a bit of a letdown (laughs) since he doesn't have the game. Do they have a a 3DS version of a lawyer game yet where you can actually sit in the courtroom, Noah? Yeah. Not yet. <laughs> you, can, you can argue a case where the Rebellion and the Empire have some kind of contention around a planet. That would Talk be really about, cool. I would argue be all about a game like that. Mineral rights and such. <laughs> Sounds like dust. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. In this episode, as I mentioned, when we get into our What We're Playing segment, We'll hear plenty about Star Wars The Old Republic and see what Scott thinks about it. Before we get into that, though, we have several pieces of meaty, lengthy email from you guys. Thank you very much. So we might have to paraphrase a little bit of that. And then for our roundtable discussion, we're going to talk about Riot Games getting into the legal arena or the political arena. And what's new with Dungeons & Dragons? Yes, the actual tabletop game. What's going on there? We found a cool article about what Wizards of the Coast plans for Dungeons & Dragons, and we want to debate that a little bit. If you have any comments or feedback that you would like to share about this episode, please send it in to mail. M-A-I-L. That's very lovely. At channelmassive.com. Also, please leave us... <laughs> a review over on iTunes if you like. And you can also leave us a comment over on the website. I believe the other Scott, one of the other Scots, has been putting random videos up on our comment section. It's really strange, but entertaining nonetheless. We like all of it. Please send it in. We hope you like this episode. Here we go. Someone to hold me tight. This episode of Channel Massive is sponsored by UGT Service, 
When you order Ventrilo Hosting from UGT, you get all of the powerful administration features hardcore gamers want and the ease of use that newbie gamers need. With 24-hour tech support, 13 locations worldwide, and a 15-day money-back guarantee, you'd be crazy not to check them out. Head to UGT-Servers.com for all of your Ventrilo hosting needs. We don't know the meaning First up, when we recorded our episode last week, there was an email that was waiting to arrive, and it unfortunately arrived after we recorded last week's episode, even though it was in response to the episode before last week. So this is actually feedback on episode 179 from Agamemnon, and I'm guessing that it arrived a little bit later because it's really epic. I think it's about 800 words. I don't know. It's <laughs> yeah, I like it. very lengthy which was really cool. He had a lot to say. You may remember in previous episodes that Agamemnon was telling us about debating whether he should get Rocksmith, especially since his daughter is really getting into teaching herself various musical instruments. And he was also very sad and frustrated that he didn't get Star Wars, The Old Republic, for Christmas because his wife unfortunately waited way too late and didn't have it pre-ordered. So now we can find the resolution to all of these problems. Hey, all, Agamemnon writes... Thanks for the tips on Rocksmith, Mark. My daughter's definitely a play-by-ear and bass only at the moment, since since it doesn't have bass DLP yet, I'll hold off for a bit. You guys are right about me, though. I'm a die-hard fanatic gamer ever since Pong. I've put over 200 hours into Skyrim, and I'm one of those players that literally has to complete each and every quest in the game before moving on, which is why I still haven't completed the main quest line at level 43. I also haven't finished the last part of the Thieves' Guild either and have a ton of other little side quests to do yet. That aside, I finally got my copy of Old Republic as soon as I got paid after Christmas. It has been tremendous fun playing my Jedi Counselor, and I've already completed Tython and Coruscant. I'm on Taurus now at level 21 and about halfway to 22, and I'm enjoying it a lot. Now, all that said, he has a lot of things to rant about. <laughs> and this is where <laughs> paraphrasing and highlighting of text is coming into play here. So... We'll just give you the highlights on what was kind of bugging him. First of all, on the voice acting, he thinks it's it's really cool and it's done well, but it takes a while to switch to the story mode when you get into green areas and when you're in the group story mode where everybody can actually select pieces of dialogue and try to be a, a part of the conversation that's going on. That actually has to take a long time. That takes a long time because you have to wait for everybody to join and select their dialogue items. And since... Agamemnon has to play in the middle of the night because he has to wait till his kids are asleep. He actually wishes that he could skip all this dialogue conversation stuff in groups so that they could just focus on the gameplay in terms of battling through the dungeon or the quest or whatever you want to call it and getting the rewards. As far as actual leveling and group content, the missions that he's tried so far, he's had a good time, but he, ha he and his group have been wiped across the floor several <laughs> times. And he believes that some of the group content is actually too hard for its level, such as over on Coruscant, even for his counselor story in the temple. He was trying to solo something with three enemies and one Sith Master with a chokehold, and he had to get a healer DPS to help him get him through it. Then, one other thing, one other P that he has, is when uh, getting new skills and leveling, for a new player, he just he really doesn't like that they don't make it obvious that when 
you get new advanced skills. There are two tabs, not just one, where you can get new skills. This is a interface design issue, which the game, like many MMOs that launched, does not have UI customization features yet. I'm not sure if that would actually solve Agamemnon's issue here. At any rate, well, I, he continues. One thing that he may not know is if you have a skill that you can train in it, it's the font is in bold in the tab. Because like when you get to certain levels, some levels, you know, your your main class gives you skills, and then and then That's some of your own, getting your just your special class getting skills, and um, it does it bolds if you have skills available in that in that piece. Excellent. Well, that's hopefully something that will help Agamemnon in his next level up, figuring out what to do next. So well, once you find, once you look one time, you just get used to looking at it. It's yeah. not it's like... self-training. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but all that said, is his pet peeves aside, he did reassert that I'm enjoying it tremendously, and I can't wait for the weekend to play some more and put some hours into it. One thing about the game that actually worries him for the future is just like what we talked about in episode 179, future content, not going free-to-play. He thought that was kind of funny that Mark suggested that. But the reason that Agamemnon is concerned about future content is primarily around the voice acting. If all the content's going to continue to be voice acted, and that takes a lot of time to write out across potentially eight different class arcs, and then having all the actors corralled, getting them to do their part, implementing that in the game... And he thinks that that's either going to slow down the delivery of of new content or they're going to rush and it's going to be crappy. But either either way, he's enjoying the game now. He might try Secret World when it comes out in 2012, but he'll probably, uh, he's not sure he'll like it. And then he's also going to be looking forward to Mass Effect and Bioshock Infinite. Happy New Year from Agamemnon. It's an interesting point he brings up, though, about, you know, they have kind of said, okay, everything's going to be voice acted. So what if they were trying to stick to a schedule and they were trying to use an actor from a previous, you know, like a, you know, trying to consistent. It's already in the game, yeah. You want to get the yeah. same power for that character. Yeah, well, it'd be horrible if it was like that letdown we all had with Age of Conan where the first part was voice acted and then it was all of a sudden just text. I don't think that they will go that route. They would limit content coming out. Do you think that they'd actually make content that would go across all eight career paths? What I think, well, what I think will happen is you may have some fairly frequent updates, and then maybe one or two a year that frequency um, of okay, we just release another planet that has just quests because that's pretty much everybody. You know, there's. Yeah, you got, I mean, you can have some, but you could release a planet and not have any, you know, character-driven story. You know, it could be the planet story and it not be your your class story. And then kind of like a, you know, a wow, you could, I would see the, the you know, like advancing, you know, the next ten levels. That's when you're going to get your your character story advancement. You know, I read. Oh, I'm sorry. I read a, a couple um, blogs today. Well, actually, one was a actual, you know, web magazine. But they were basically saying that, um, you know, they're expecting the first uh, content update to come out in March. So if they stick with a, you know, kind of a quarterly um, schedule, that's not too far off from what you're kind of saying. You're saying, you know, six months or whatever, but. Four a year would be pretty decent. 
Yeah, I just I, I think that the character driven story stuff, the stuff that's they would have to make eight variations of, um, or actually what sixteen variations of, um, I just think that'll come out further along. And and you know I would rather it be good than rushed. Well, it could be bundled um, in actual retail expansion packs. So that that's the true. Full sixteen or eight storylines will get updated in those, and the stuff that just comes down for free, so to speak would be just the general content mm-hmm. that everybody can play at certain levels. <laughs> or maybe a dark side light side. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're, well, they just, you know, there was an article massively the other day about, you know, they want to expand the legacy system. They yeah, want to do, you know, gray, you know, basically a gray Jedi, but basically somebody that tries to play the neutral path where they're not light side or dark side can get some advantages. I mean, there's some... There's some places they can go where they don't have to have this, you know, gigantic epic arc. I mean, hell, for that matter, you could just you throw in some co-op on rail uh, ship missions. That mm-hmm. in and of itself is an ex- could be a pretty easy expansion, and you know that's one of the areas of the game people are kind of complaining about is the weakness of that area of of what I just consider. I mean, to me, it's just a it's kind of a mini game. Uh, yeah. I don't, even, I don't consider it. I mean, but I mean, there's a lot of different places where they can add, you know, meat to the game, and it not involve, you know, a thousand hours of voice acting. Right. I mean, well, hopefully they will. I mean, there's enough areas they can throw in these smaller updates and still add to the game, and then have these these larger character-driven voice heavy expansions, you know, like a paid expansion and those type of things every year or whatever it is. Right. Yeah, they could, if they have, like, they're talking about they're going to have, like, a live team to kind of keep things, you know, fresh and stuff. If they had that and they had their, you know, regular regularly scheduled um, expansion team running, you know, in parallel where they kind of knew what each other was doing, I think they could pull it off pretty handily, you know, I think it'd be pretty good. Yeah. Somebody needs to do it. I, Point I, them. My personal opinion is I like that the group content is hard. Oh, mm-hmm. I love it hard. Yeah, I, I don't like I don't want it to be easy. I, I don't mean, want it's, to it's, not, it's not Dungeons & Dragon online epic level hard, but it's you're not just going to walk through it. Hilgi3 also wrote into us, and he wanted to address our previous debate about what to do with ever-increasing cable costs and how are people going to consume television episodes going into the future, particularly with streaming. And there's this podcast that he loves to follow, uh, Jupiter Broadcasting, which does everything from tech reviews to tech how-tos and all sorts of stuff, both video, or primarily video. They review microphones and software. And in this case... Jupiter Broadcasting did a review of Sickbeard, which is an application that can automate the downloading of TV content from Usenet and or torrents, and in the, or in the least, organize everything that you already have, all of your different downloaded episodes of television and movies that you have going on. Now, when you hear that torrents, oh my gosh, it sounds like, time to get into the piracy boat, but... Jupiter Broadcasting has a little CYA statement about not supporting piracy 
But hey, the failing traditional media companies continue to restrict how consumers use content. Their model was outdated years ago and today just feels draconian, according to Jupiter Broadcasting. So I didn't check this out. I'm not as savvy about downloading content as Mark is. But, Mark, did you have any thoughts or impressions on this sick beard thing? Yeah, it's um, you know, it's it's the real deal. It's uh, it runs in uh, Python, which means you can run it, you know, cross platforms. You can run it on Linux or Windows or you know, pretty much whatever you have available, um, Mac. Um, and it's uh, it does what what it what is advertised, and they're updating it constantly. Um, if you already have some, it's it's really only for downloading TV shows, so it's kind of like a a uh, DVR in that respect. Um, but it requires that somebody posts the episodes on Usenet or makes them available by uh, torrent. But what it does is it goes out to an index site and figures out, you know, say you're interested in catching up on, um, I don't know, uh, True Blood, for instance. It'll go and find all of the episodes by season, kind of organize everything for you, um, figure out if there's any specials for True Blood, you know, like season previews or the making of. It'll kind of catalog all that by season with timeline, and then it'll figure out what you have and what you don't have, and then you have the option to, you know, have it try and find all the stuff you want. Um, And at that point, when you do that, it goes to different index sites for torrents and for um, Usenet content and tries to do some um, regular expression matching to figure out, you know, what you're looking for to see if it can find a match. Um, If it does find the match, um, you can have criteria defined that says, you know, I only want to see this if it's high definition or I don't care if it's high definition or standard definition, but I prefer high def, you know, whatever you kind of want. Then it'll go out and grab it, um, download it, um, put it into the to the file structure, um, the, whatever your hierarchy is that you've already got set up, um, and then alert you that it's uh, it's ready to be viewed. And then you, from there, you can watch it with you know any kind of streaming um, media application you have, be it your Windows Media Center or one of those cool little devices like a WDTV or. Um, you know, something like that. And it, it seems to work pretty well. You know, the only issue is it's not technically, I mean, the application is legal, but the content that you're grabbing is not technically, you know, it's not being retransmitted with the direct consent of the, the owner, as they would say. So, you know, that's, that's the uh, only issue as far as legality goes is you're, you know, it's not really designed for um, media that's been put out there by the, by the um, people holding the license. It's kind of, you know, pirated TV. Um, that being said, though, it does appear to do everything it's supposed to do really, really well. So, um, kind of interesting. I know I know a couple of people who have canceled their cable. Um, they still use a cable modem, but they're using this as their DVR, basically. Hmm. So... Um, you know, seems seems to be pretty pretty much all that. There's a um, there's also a, a variant for movies called Couch Potato. Um, the reviews for that are not quite so good. It doesn't seem to work very well. Um, a lot of times you'll get movies in in a, the wrong language. It's not very good at sorting stuff out. That's under development too, but doesn't seem to be nearly as uh, 
polished as sick beard. And then for music, for MP3s and um, FLAC files and stuff, there's a program called uh, Headphones. And um, it works just like sick beard in that it'll go through your music collection, tell you what um, albums or, or EPs you don't have, or singles you don't have by an artist, um, you know, give you the option to grab those, put it, puts them right where they are. So it, uh, where the rest of the collection is, builds it out for you. So there's a lot of products that are all kind of leveraging the same technologies, the same backend um, uh, news group um, client and all that stuff. And those those are kind of the three that are prevalent right now. That's all I know. I don't know much about it, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> you definitely satisfied my desire for an answer. listeners if any of you have tried out this sick beard software or have any other comments or thoughts on this whole just just managing the downloading or streaming of content or if you have a a moral stance that you want to take about it send that into mail at channelmassive.com thank you very much tilgy3 and agamemnon for your excellent emails we look forward to hearing from you again and all the rest of you out there that are in Cricket's land, until then, we're now going cricket. to get into chirp, chirp. what we're playing. It was a terrible cricket. Chirp. <laughs> cricket. This is the part of the podcast where we talk <laughs> to one another about what we've been playing. Oh, wow. Let's, that, let's let Noah go first. Is that fairly eloquent? <laughs> yeah. You know, you're, if anything, but consistent. <laughs> if anything, but consistent. Is that a triple negative? It or might that, be. Yeah. It's just something for you to noodle on. Noah, through Mark's mediocrity, you. you can excel. Yes. <laughs> Why? Why run with the back of the pack? You can just go surround, right on. Surround forward. yourself with average to make yourself look good. That's right. But you two are far from average. That's in a good way, I hope. Yes. Not so far. <laughs> I just wanted to see if you had any reaction. Just let it hang there and see what you said. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. All right, over in my corner of non older corner of Thor. Your droll, drab, dreary life. Yes. Uh, it, oh, my, black, and black and white. Yes, my right. monochrome world yes. has continued to deliver to me 3DS content. I have NDS content. I've been playing more of Professor Layton, but then I got sidetracked because 3DS has this really cool app called Swap Note, and it's a free downloadable app from the Nintendo Store, and it basically allows you to draw out uh, notes across four different pages. And what's really cool is that it's it's just a black pencil on a white background. You can eventually add pictures to it and pick stationary, but it records everything that you draw as you're drawing it. And if you erase something, it won't include that in the the drawing. And plus, you can actually make it 3D. So you can make certain portions of the drawing jump out of the screen and certain portions go in. And you don't have to draw. I mean, you can just write if you want as well. And then when you send it to a friend and they go to view it, they see your little me over in the corner, furiously scribbling away with a giant pencil, and then your note exactly as you drew it in the same order that you wrote it and drew it, it actually draws out on the screen for them and at at a max speed. So it's not like 
it's not fast forward, but it's also, I mean, if you took, if you drew a line and then you paused for two minutes and then resumed drawing, it wouldn't show that. It just, it's one continuous drawing. And it's so addictive. And it's been out for a couple weeks. During that time, a bunch of Nintendo Stoppers got their hands on it and spammed everybody who, everybody whose friend code they had that was a Nintendo Joe. So when I first installed this the other day, I had 30 notes waiting for me from them talking, wishing each other Merry Christmas and Happy New Year and oh, the cool. movies they've been seeing. And some of them are really artistically talented. They're drawn characters from Zelda and Pokemon and Muppets and all this other stuff. It's like, wow, and it just makes you want to jump in and do some type of crude representation of yourself and some things. At least that's what I've been doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's just it's it's a cheesy app, but and it's free, but it's it's really, really fun. Really cool. And that's I pretty cool. Also downloaded a little Wear game, a little downloadable game called Pushmo, which are it's this game that has these block kind of like pixel pieces of artwork, and you can pull the blocks out that th- you can pull the pixels out uh, up to three levels of depth, and you're rescuing children that have gotten stuck inside the artwork. So what you have to do is you have to pull out chunks of these of these pixel art so you can climb it and get to the child that's stuck at the top of it. And it's actually pretty cool. It's really Japanese in terms of its aesthetic. It's a lot like Taiko Drum Master, if you've ever played that. But pretty cool. Nice little puzzle game. I and I've, have played I that. I like that they're using you. the 3D piece of it. That's that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So there's all that stuff. And I'm really looking forward to trying trying to. That's on my, my to-do list. I have taken far too much time from you guys. You need to talk about the Old Republic. (laughs) I'm going to go take a break. (laughs) Just kidding. I'll be here. I'll be here. Noah is now going to sleep. (laughs) Yeah. Wake me when you're done. Light side, dark side, whatever. (laughs) Yeah, there's not a whole lot to say. It's just, um, I think, I don't know what you've been playing, Scott, but I've mostly just been playing that game. I'm just, you know, kind of really into it. I haven't... Haven't been into a MMO in a long time, so um, it's kind of satisfying that quest for MMO-dom or something that I've Well, I mean, and I'm, I'll try to curb my enthusiasm to, to below fanboy levels. Um, <laughs> I, I I do say that I, I am kind of irritated at a lot of the negative comments that the game has gotten because... It's actually a pretty good game, just in and of itself. You know, they the stories are compelling. Yeah. You know, they interest me. Um, they have good good writing. I mean, they're not. And I and and if you, you know, it's like playing Fable when you know, oh, I'm being a bad guy. Well, you're really not that bad. Right. You right. get some pretty dark quests. <laughs> like yeah. On the dark side, you really do. I mean. Yeah. If you want to be a total ass, <laughs> you can be you pretty can be. dark. You can be pretty dark. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, even when I, you know, my write-up I did oh so many moons ago on the website, um, it's it's pretty nice just being able to have several options on completing a quest. And granted, oh, yeah. there are a lot of just moral choices, but you still have several options on completing a quest, which is pretty unusual in the marketplace for MMOs. Yeah. I mean, it just is. 
And you know, people talking about how the game's not innovative and all that. I'm just like, all right. Ultimately, every every character has five pets, all with a compelling story. Some that you want to slap around, and some that you that <laughs> you want to just do whatever they ask you. And that's compelling. You know, I mean, the, one of the greatest characters is your little, you know, the the little window dressing droid in your ship. I mean, they're awesome. I mean, they're just, you know, when like my bounty hunter, I, you know, they're each a little different. And, you know, he, you get on the, you know, you you get on your ship, and he says, "Glory to the Empire," and more importantly, "Glory to you, Master." I mean. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I'm gonna try to try to curb my enthusiasm, but I, I'm very impressed. I have I'm to admit. impressed too. I I think you know they streamlined a lot of stuff. I really like the way the companions work. I like the way that you can accumulate them and have them do your bidding as far as the crafting system goes. It makes that interesting. Um, I like, as you say, I just like the story behind a lot of the quests, you know, a lot of the, none of the quests are really just individual quests. They're all part of a greater, you know, story arc of some sort, you know, except for just a few very random ones. They're mostly all built around some, you know, telling some part of a story and they do a really good job with that. And, um, I'm enjoying it and it's really fun to, uh, kind of go through the same area with two different classes and see how the story is told from different angles. Um, I just did that recently with this tomb. Um, I think it's called like the Black Temple, not to be confused with the one from WoW. But um, when I went through as my juggernaut, you know, I was pretty much just kind of going through the standard quest line. But when you go through um, as a sorcerer, and I don't want to ruin it, there's a little bit more there for you, and it's just kind of funny because as I was playing through with my sorcerer, I was thinking, wow, I had no idea this was going on when I came through here last time, you know. <laughs> so it's kind of neat how they how they do that, um, you know, and they, they kind of have to. I mean, they, I think they kind of have to have some of the quests be more, um, you know, more central around a certain character class than others, and it just makes sense for some. But, um, you know, I, I well, like that. I, mean, I like the mechanics the of the game. The simple fact of, like, you know, like on um, on the Imperial homeworld with the Ribbonites, um, not to give away oh. too much of the game, but as a bounty hunter, that was totally flat for me. But as a, as, as as a my, Sith. As a Sith, it was pretty compelling. Yeah. You know, I mean, and, um, you know, and the... I'm I'm very impressed with you know it, it's basically okay Horde Alliance Light and Dark Sith Jedi whatever you want to call it you know two sides of the thing I like how a lot of the quests within the the different sides have nuances so like if you're a Sith well if you're pure blood Sith there's a whole there's that whole backstory um, if you're like an imperial agent or a bounty hunter, you know, you're either one, you're not, you know, you like the empire for its, you know, lawful evil order or, and kind of think that the Sith are, you know, somewhat ruining your pristine empire <laughs> because right, they right. are constantly killing each other. 
Or, you know, you're a bounty hunter and you don't really care that they're bad as long as their money's good. <laughs> right. And then even among that, there's different um, kind of factions within those factions. So you could have a Sith character who, you know, wants to wants to over like with the Revanites wants to believe that you know the emperor has been imprisoned for hundreds of years and the, there's a shadow you know empire being run and stuff like that i mean there's like all this kind of like paranoia around different things and it's just cool story writing and it's a great way to deliver it in a in the form of a game that's fun and you know enjoyable and fast paced well, I, mean, I mean i'm impressed with i mean they've given Quite a bit more depth to Star Wars than Lucas. <laughs> right, <laughs> that's right. I mean, it's more. It's more along the lines of the feeling, uh, the like grim um, kind of feeling of of all the Star Wars movies. I would say it's closest to um, The Empire Strikes Back in feel for. There's just all these serious things going on and impending doom, and you know people are building planet destroyers and stuff like that. I mean, it's got that kind of a feel, really dark, compared to all the rest of it, which I thought was, you know, good, but kind of fluffy. So Yeah. Of course, that yeah, so, Empire Strikes so Back was... No, oh, go ahead, sorry. No Jar Jar Binks, thankfully, so... Yeah. I was going to say that Empire Strikes Back was actually written by a real author named Lee Brackett, so a little, little different style there, but... <laughs> Well, I mean, like even the Jedi classes, you know, you're you're at conflict with what a Jedi would believe versus the political reality of the Republic. Which right. Sometimes right. it's not so nice. So there's there's um, different there's different shades of good and and better, I guess. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I, there was a lot of comments early on too that you know. Um, you know, it's a tried and true mechanic. It works. Um, I don't feel any class is gimped in any, you know, to that to that extent. Um, right. You know, they're all fun. I mean, I have pretty much every every character, and I mean, I haven't found any that I don't that I don't like. Um, think, some of the okay. stories are, you know, some stories I like more than others, but that I think I can tell at least. That is personality preference on my part as opposed to poorly written story. Well, I think it's interesting that you brought up the Revanites because I thought that was one of the coolest, most surprising little side stories. Well, I want to know, is it true? <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. It's funny because I've been playing my Juggernaut as pure evil as can be, but I wanted the Revanite title so badly and I wanted to do the right thing so badly that I chose the one good action he ever did was not betraying the Revanites to the uh, to the um, apprentice that was trying to hunt them down for his master. And so now I turn, always... Did you turn in his master? Did you frame his master? Yeah, I framed his master. Which is a great safe. twist to the story. Yeah. I mean, it was like, that's perfect. With like a stolen, uh, some kind of stolen trinket. They totally framed his master to have them turn on him. Um, I've done it with my sorcerer the other way, where she's just plain pure evil. And so I found out what it's like to totally be, to betray them and what happens to the leader if you do that, which is fun, too. So, um, <laughs> yes. It's kind of um, cool. The dark side is much, but it's, I've, I've found is much more, has 
much more fun moments than uh, yeah. some of the. I mean, the Jedi is pretty good. Um, this the smuggler story is is quite good. Yeah, um, yeah. I played impressed. a little bit of that, and it's really good. The two that are really stand out to me though are the is the Imperial agent and the bounty hunter. Both of those are are really really good. And so far, the one I've found most compelling is the um, the sorcerer story. Well, sorcerer slash assassin slash inquisitor storyline. You know, well, being I, a former slave and all—it's kind of cool. Yeah. Well, see, I'm uh, you know the the Sith I've got is a pure blood Sith, so he's he's basically racist, so. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> He's like, you know, you're not crimson. You don't have the real Sith bloods. So, <laughs> right, right. That's um, perfect. The, uh, so let's see. We Now, I will say, you know, we rolled up on, on a PvP server, and yep. I'm also and playing I, and on I a PvP, apologize. A PvE server. So. I, I apologize for accusing you of not rolling up any characters on the PvP server. The fact that... I still can't see people when they're not online to add them to the friends list is an, is a continued source of total annoyance in an otherwise really good launch. Yeah, I would say from a uh, what is it a quality of life issue that one is the worst. Yeah. Um, to me, you know, yeah, okay, the matchmaking is kind of basic, but at the same time, it is it functions. Yeah. Um, it tends to kind of group, you know, because, you know, you're doing shards, you're doing instances of the same area, you know, even even without player instances. I mean, you know, like there's five versions of this hub city and it does a really good job of putting everybody together. Yeah, I think uh, it so. does. Um, but you're right. Seeing when somebody's once you get them on your list. Yeah, it's fine then, it works but Jesus. okay. But you really have to be you have to be online at the same time and boom, it will find you. Otherwise it'll say you doesn't exist and that that is irritating. Yeah. That's probably the biggest the most blatant issue that I have with the game at the moment. Yeah, I was talking to uh one of our listeners, Slane tonight, also known as Scott, the other Scott. And uh and we were talking about how we really need to get the guild going because it would kind of help us to build a to build a, a framework to keep in touch with one another because the way the the way the you know the inability to just you know add people and stuff when they're not online just sucks but if we had a guild it would be a little easier you know but yes we're just going to have to we're going to have to do that I do um I did playing on the PV, you know my bounty hunter there it's the only character I have on the PVP server is my highest character. He's almost level thirty. And nice. Um, I tell you, right around level twenty or so, that's when I I wanted to start seeing the other side. I felt okay. I've got enough skills. I've learned my character enough. I'm 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 I'm, I'm ready. And you didn't see him. And we're on a full <laughs> server. We're on one of the most full servers. Right. So, and it didn't hit to about level 27 or 28. Yeah. Now, I mean, that's a gauge that's different for different people. Um, you know, as we were, as we were commenting before the show, I mean, my last taste of, 
MMO PvP was, you know, early on Age of Conan, which was pretty damn cutthroat, frankly. I mean, it was that was rough. I think that drove a lot of people out of the game. It was so rough. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I do totally agree with the you know blocking off the core worlds and the the tutorial areas. I have always um, agreed with that. Yeah, that make, makes perfect sense. Um, now I do. Um, I did also see you know one of Agamemnon's comments that we kind of looked over was he was saying that the two, if you don't play an MMO the tutorial is pretty weak from a here's how you play an MMO standpoint. And I would agree with that. Now, it's difficult for me to kind of look at the game through those eyes because that's been you know, 10 years ago. Um, but you got to remember, I mean, maybe everybody playing this game has not done that over and over and over. To Like, you know, the, the tabs for, for different... Um, Different skills. Never wasn't an issue for me more than two seconds. Um, What do I do with these skills? And, I mean, oh, I got a flashing icon. Obviously, I can spend some points. And from somebody who's playing MNOs, I mean, it, you know, skill tree, pretty pretty straightforward. What Um, do you, um, oh, go ahead. What were you going to say? Well, what do you think about the complaints that the UI isn't totally customizable like WoW yet? You know, I don't customize my UI much, period. Yeah, that was kind of my thought. Was as I eh. as I learned to play the game, I'm kind of playing the UI. Now, I mean, if there's the stuff that kind of gets me on that is, you know, okay, I've got enough skills where I need a couple bars. You give me that mm-hmm. option. You give me the option to put them on the sides. Hey, that's great. You give me the option to lock them so I don't accidentally drag them off and lose them it's all in there. the middle of a fight. You know, the basics are there, and that's what I, I mean, I, the rest of it, I mean, that's preference. Yeah, it'd be nice if I could resize the little window, you know, your the mini-map window. But mm-hmm. I can pull up the map, and when I move, you can see through it. Yeah, yeah, and you can set how transparent Not many games let you do that. Yeah. <laughs> and you can set it, the transparency. You can minimize your chat window. You can have yeah. it flash while it's minimized so that you know if somebody whispers you. I mean... There's some in there, and it, you know, for a default UI, it's decent. I mean, it's not oh, yeah. great, but it's, no, it's pretty it's, good. It's great. The only thing that bothers me is that I can't move the, like, inventory and character screen around once they pop up. Um, yeah. I, for I some reason, that. I find that annoying. It's kind of weird, but I mean. But, I mean, you know, I mean, they even threw in hide your head here. Great. Oh, the rolling ro- rolling numbers um, for, you know, damage, healing, all that. You know, you have total control over that. Um, I don't know. I think it's pretty well done. I even, so. I mean, even in group content, I like the the conversation mechanic. Yep, I Where do it throws everybody in and you get everybody in there and it's a die roll that you get points for if you win. Yeah. Yeah, and random. you get to hear your character talking in the story. I mean, that yeah. to me is a and there's a ring. It's pretty damn obvious. If you don't want to yep. get in it, you can go ahead and hit start conversation before everybody's there. It's not yeah. you have to wait. You know what? I did a an, an interesting mechanic of that that I didn't even know existed the other night. Um, I was the only one who died of our group because I was the tank, 
and we killed the boss, and so I rezzed, but everybody else had um, gone back to turn in the mission by the time I was rezzed. And so they're there to – they start the dialogue, and it allowed me to show up via – As a hologram. Uh, as Isn't a hologram. Just like the Emperor in, you know, the Star Wars movies showing up. Yeah, so the guy's holding his hand out and I'm floating above it as this little projection, you know, talking and stuff. I was like, that is so cool that they thought of that, you know. And I was still able to get all the credit and everything for completing the the, the epic quest and everything. So I love that, yeah. Um, I mean, you know, some of the stuff I kind of look at it, even like the companions. Um, no, I love the way the companions well, work. I'm not even talking about like you know their dialogue and and their personality and that all that's good, but their 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 AI is pretty good. I mean, oh yeah, the you know the tank companion tanks, tanks the healer great. companion heals. They the, don't the they don't overly companion? screw up aggro too much. No, no occasionally no, fact, they might, but most of the time if like if you're in a group and you throw throw somebody in a crowd control. That's in they one of the long They don't the break aggro. It's, and it's, they won't. I'm, yeah. Um, they will if they have a AOE ability and you have it turned on and they happen to be close. They will spam that. And otherwise, that though, they won't target it. it outright. But you know what? Yeah. I play with plenty of players that do that, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I'm like, you know, it's but no yeah, it's worse a, than a player. With a sorcerer, you know, you have a, you have a tank as your first companion and you have um crowd you have the best crowd control it's like a 60 second hold that you can renew because of the time oh yeah we just load them up in the air or whatever yeah where they just spin around and uh using that with my tank it's like just effortless he never targets them you know i even tested it i just let him stand there and waited for it to expire he just stood there chilled out it was really cool i was really impressed with that yeah i mean they're, I don't know. It just seems like but, the complaints I've seen are kind of nitpicking. In, in but Bioware's had like um, you know companion AI figured out since Baldur's Gate, so you know this isn't anything new. This isn't their first rodeo for that. Well, that is true. I'll, I'll give them that. And uh, so, have you done any of the Noah? Any comments? Noah. Noah. Bueller. He really did go away. I'm <laughs> waiting for you to stop talking. Okay, hey, let's <laughs> let's wrap this up and say we both hate it utterly and we'll never play it again. Does that summarize it adequately? No, I've been listening. I just I know that you guys are it's it's a lot better to listen to a conversation between two people who are talking about something that they both know and understand versus having some random dude jump in and ask questions without any perspective. So that's why I've just been listening and I think it's been good. Well, thank you. Do you like the Starship Combat? Do you play it? I do. I think it's a mini game. It reminds me of Rebel Assault. Yeah, I really that's a it. that's a good comment, and I like that it's um, you know, as you get into it a little bit, you get different different ones and their skill. I mean, they get hard. Oh God, yeah. Some of them are actually really challenging. I mean, um, some it's funny because it depends on if I'm on my game or not. Sometimes it's not that hard, and other times I, I'll have to do it like three or four times before I make it through. Um, you know, and that's probably because I've been cheap and haven't put any upgrades into my starship that you know I didn't just get from completing quests or whatever. So, uh, um, see, I'm 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 a starship whore, so 
Uh, yeah, I haven't put much money into that, but um, I really enjoy them. In fact, I I do the dailies um, with both characters. So <laughs> <laughs> I would get. I guess you'd have to say I really, really like them. Um, you know, and I've started to have some success with the auction house, which was the other thing that was bumming me out. Um, that's working out now. So, so yeah, I'm starting actually, to make I, some I, I thought that it was for what it is. It's it's pretty good. The auction I think house. It's fun. I've, yeah. I mean. It, it does a lot of stuff that Auctioneer, the mod for WoW, did automatically. So it yeah, prices I mean, it appropriately and all that. And, you know, the things I've put up there, I've, I've had pretty pretty consistent sales. I mean, I'm pretty happy with that, you know? I mean, yeah, unless unless you're trying to sell a level 5 item or something. Yeah, well, and, it, you know, really well. you, shouldn't, you shouldn't be expecting to sell that anyway. No, that would be silly. But and I do, yeah. I do like that you can reverse engineer your crap stuff that you craft to get more materials to keep pushing your craft skill up. And if I understand it right, during that process of reverse engineering something, you might figure out how to make an even better version exactly. of it. Exactly, you can get a schematic. Yeah, which I've had a couple of those happen now. I just never paid much attention as to what was happening, so I was trying to read up those on it. Those sell today. pretty good too. Yeah. And that's kind of cool. So you actually create a schematic because you figured something out by reverse engineering it just because you were being a material whore. Um, <laughs> but, well, we should wrap it up. But I just want to say something really funny. The other night it was really funny because everybody on general chat was pretending we were playing WoW. And so we were, like, planning to raid. Um, we were going to raid the Undercity and uh but then we got into an argument because like half of us were horde and half were alliance and we're like well let's just do it anyway and then we were like getting all nostalgic about different things from like the the original version of wow and it just got really silly but it was really funny because everybody that was participating in the banter really knew their stuff about world of warcraft it just got really funny where i started to advertise enchantments and said i do them for mats and i was like i you know i got 350 i'm trying to get up to the max and they were like <laughs> one guy's like oh if you could just get one more point in that you could cast you could do this enchantment i was like hell yeah I, I'm, that's why i'm doing it for free you just supply the mats <laughs> but we had that going on for a good half hour it was really fun um but uh, anyway, yeah, we should probably, probably wrap this segment up and move on to our actual roundtable topics. But I, I think it's going over pretty well. I'm enjoying it. First up for our roundtable discussions, we're going to talk about the reinvention of Dungeons & Dragons. And no, we're not talking about the free-to-play MMO or that was once a subscription MMO. We're actually talking about the true tangible pen and paper tabletop RPG, which is now it's, it's almost 40 years old. It's been around for 38 years, originally designed by Gygax and some other guy that doesn't have as cool of a name. And, and it's had numerous rule sets, Dungeons and Dragons, Advanced Dungeons and Dragons and 3.0 and 3.5 and 4.0. And now it looks like 5.0 might be around the corner. The game apparently, uh, it's peaked in its popularity. Over the years, 20 million people have played it and spent over a billion dollars on all the various books and figurines and dice and everything that's out there. But after peaking around 
between 99 and 2003. Apparently, even though Wizards of the Coast doesn't actually release numbers, the game has been in steady decline, quote-unquote, since 2005, which we all know what that all kind of ties into or, or syncs up with, and that is the release of World of Warcraft. And indeed, that is the belief among some of what's caused the most, um, let's see, erosion of the Dungeons & Dragons player base. It's that there's all these really, really fantastic video game RPGs on PCs and consoles that you can have an open world experience, you can have a linear experience, and they're beautifully realized worlds. There's great non-playable characters, party members. You can make morality choices now. You can shift how the story goes. And with some of that hard work done, and you don't have to roll dice, more and more people are playing video games over D&D, traditional D&D. One other thing I think that comes into play is um, I, have a, I have a theory on games. I think that people play games that they grew up with. So that's why you have you know, the, the old guys playing Chinese checkers and you know, <laughs> Rook and checkers and well and it's because that's, that's what they, they had when kids. they were kids yeah i played I mean, we were sense. the we're literally the first of the video game generation you know yeah. when i mean it came into our own when we were kids and one of the issues is yeah hey i love dungeons and dragons and when i played it growing up well you know what i'm 40 now <laughs> i'm a grandfather for christ's sakes <laughs> um you know the people that I want to play with are all have families and real lives and jobs, and it's hard to get together once a week for six hours unless I'm sitting at my house at night after normal people would be in bed. <laughs> and, you know, everybody can get together. You can have a shared experience. You can have a lot of the positives that you used to get in that let's go over to my house after school and play this. You can get it online. That's right. I mean – you can play an MMO where you're doing all that same interacting, whether it's via VoIP or Skype or even just typing it out. And I mean, it's, you know, and your quality of Dungeon Master overall is probably better, you know, unless you just had someone really gifted. Um, you know, we, we, would round, we would rotate that from time to time, and two or three of us were decent, and two or three of us sucked. So, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> It definitely you know, does and, require a, a, a certain kind of person to make a good campaign. And good. so, good. you know, I think in and of itself, just that, the the fact that its its core market has aged. And so how they consume their, their that content had to change because their priorities in their life changed. I mean... I would love to still get together and play D&D, but I don't have the time, and the people that I want to play with don't have the time. <laughs> now, what's funny is I actually have just gotten into D&D during the last year, for the first time, truly. Wow. And we started out with a beginner's board game experience to D&D called Dragon Strike, and it looked like a traditional old-school board game like Clue or something, and it had two game boards in it with maps on each of the sides of the two game boards, and there was a forest map and a village map and a castle map and a cavern map. And we went through stories on each of those, and then we started a, an actual real campaign. And my buddy Chris is actually very good at the whole DM thing. And now that and I, I can say that because I've 
been able to game with other people. And I just really like how my buddy Chris does it. He's really good at thinking on the fly and being uh, being creative with the quests and making the odds seem very dire, but still allowing it to be. It always useful. seemed to me that the dungeon master that understood the players are supposed to win the game. But you're supposed to make it fun to win the game. Yes. Yes. Those are the good ones. And it's not easy to do that. No, because you because you put all this time into this great villain that you want to win. Yeah. <laughs> I mean not it's to mention hard you have to, to keep track get... of all of the rules. Well I mean it's and if a gamer um, says, well, I want to do this, and you're like, oh, geez, I didn't is this apply? Four hours on this, you know, I, you're supposed to go right, right here, because I've written all this stuff about what we're going to do Exactly. Next. And that's something we've done. There were some things that we skipped, because it's just like, I don't want to fight those monsters. Let's keep going forward. And it's like, I had this really cool storyline that was going to happen. And I'm like, oh. Well, you just emerge it into something else. Exactly. It comes with the territory. And... I've really, really enjoyed my experience. I have another group of friends who have started up another campaign. And the way that we've managed to fit it into our schedules is we make it a once a month thing, if not once every month and a half or two months, depending on how crazy things get. And it's worked out. We get together for about five hours, like you're saying, get some lunch or some snacks, and then just play through a little chunk and do our best to remember what happened in the previous time. And it works out really well. I've really grown to like it a lot. I prefer it over MMOs, strangely, because it's just they're the the great thing about MMOs is that it takes a lot of the planning and thinking out of it, but it also removes much of the creativity and spontaneity that Yeah, you do have to put effort into making it your own experience. Yeah. And you can to varying degrees depending on what the game is. But not so, not as much as you can in a traditional Dungeons and Dragons game. So, ap- apologies for the tangent. Where I was going with this is Wizards of the Coast is literally reaching out to its player base, asking them to tell us what, as, asking them to tell Wizards of the Coast what should the rule set be, how should the game be played, and they're going to put together various rule sets and send that out to the players, have them try it out and. Really, it's going to be a new edition of Dungeons & Dragons designed and play-tested by the players with the hope that we that, that Wizards of the Coast can unite a, a mass of people who have been fractured among so many different rule sets and have developed favorites of those rule sets. And by getting these people all under, or getting more people under one rule set, hopefully bring other people into the game as well. Well, I do think that they, I think it was a failing of the company to try to convert the rules into a paper and pen version of World the, of Warcraft. Right. Of, uh, well, of the, of the standard MMO. Because technically, in real Dungeons and Dragons, you never had the Holy Trinity. Your fighter wasn't, you know, you never really had. You're holding aggro. You're doing this. You're, you know, that's a mechanic. That's yeah. not a game. That's something to allow the designer to code a compelling experience. Yeah, it's a crutch he has to lean on to make it to make it functional. Where you're not limited to that in the game, and to kind of shoehorn 
you know, a game that really relied on the imagination. I mean, you know, you're, I mean, basically in, in a computer game, you are extremely limited in what you really can do. Yeah. Usually it's what, 20, at, I mean, we're talking with a full skill tree, 25 actions. And most of those are very straightforward. You yeah. can't say, what do I have in my backpack that I could use to get the hell out of this situation? <laughs> I mean, the, the game just does not allow you to do that. What my, my, my one compelling experience in, in playing role playing games was actually a shadow run game. And we had one guy that, um, really, really liked to beat the players. That was his idea of fun was to design an experience that you ultimately lost. And so we're going in and I'm, I'm playing an agent, which is, you know, basically, uh, the tech guy. So he's got, you know, he's guns and, and grenades and that kind of stuff. And the group gets basically in this room and we're trapped there and we can't get out. We don't really have enough firepower to take out what's outside the room at the, at the moment they can't get in. So I basically say, well, fine, there's six of us. I've got enough explosives on me to kill everything out there, but I don't have a way of getting it there. So you know what? I'm going to pull all my explosives and strap it to my body and run out there and, and blow myself up. <laughs> and, I, and, and I do enough damage, I kill everything. And that, to me, was the most – I mean, I mean, one of the girls that was playing is the wife of one of a friend of mine. And, uh, I mean, she literally cried because I sacrificed myself for the whole group because she really – it was like – one of her first experiences with a role-playing game, and she was really invested in her character. And, and he was like, you sacrificed yourself for me. And I'm just like, no, I sacrificed myself to beat that ass across the table. <laughs> <laughs> and you just can't get that in an MMO. <laughs> I mean, That's you just so can't. Um, and I, I, I think those kind of visceral experiences is what they try to need to capture without trying to shoehorn a pen and paper game into an electronic game. Because that's what they really did after second edition. It just more and more and more, let's make this like a video game that you play with pen and paper. And the player imagination is what makes it so limitless. And they kind of took took away a lot of that interplay. So it just became, why am I playing a pen and paper version when I can just go play a computer version? And it's so much easier and, you know... My personal opinion, I like second edition the best. So, was that your favorite? I've only played 3.5 and 4, unfortunately, because I'm starting so late. But I I like 3.5 a little bit better so far. Well, and I mean the the you know 4 is almost a direct emulation of a computer MMO. Yeah, it really. I mean, it you know it basically says that's what we're trying to do is capture the MMO experience in pen and paper, and you're like, why? One of the things that I also really like about the pen and paper games is that role-playing is much less awkward and, and it just works more because you kind of have to do it to make the game work as a whole. And if you have a really stringent or strict dungeon master who will penalize you for saying things out loud, like, well, guess what you just said? It was heard by the monster over here or or whatever, <laughs> which has certainly happened to me. It's It just adds... A, that much more fun to it. I mean, I'm stopping short of LARPing, of course. <laughs> <But> <laughs> Thank you. I, I just, that. whenever I've tried to role play or been around people who role played in an online RPG, it just feels weird, and I don't, I don't like it for some reason. It just doesn't work, which is weird because you have all the visuals right there. It's even more 
and it could be potentially more engrossing for you because you don't have to even think about it. It's, the world is right there in front of you, but it just doesn't work for me as much. Well, it's it's the limiting factor. I mean, ultimately, when you do want to kind of take it into play, it, it's what I've just just said. I mean, ultimately, a game you're extreme, really, you're extremely limited in what your options are. Where in a role playing game with pen and paper, sky's the limit. And sometimes the sky's not even the limit if you comply. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, and it's that sense of, I think that's why there's such a, you know, this little niche market for sandbox gaming. Yeah. It's because they want that freedom of, I can do anything I want. Yeah, I think that kind of game comes close to capturing a portion of the spirit of tabletop games. And I think games that have randomized dungeon layouts like Diablo are another twist on video game design that kind of pulls in that dungeon master aspect. And last, uh, and there's probably other examples of this, but the one that always comes to my mind is in Left 4 Dead, where the game's quote-unquote director will change the placement and the timing of zombie attacks and, and the strength of them based on how slow you're going or how quickly you're going or if you're split up and stuff like that. And feeling like there's something slightly more sentient and improvisational in the background makes that the video game that much more compelling. But until the, but regardless of that, until I can truly get a, a one-to-one simulation of that, I'm really thankful for and enjoying my current Dungeons and Dragons experience. And whether or not Wizards of the Coast comes out with another rule set, I don't really care. <laughs> I like what's out there already. I'm pretty happy with it. I'm I, I'm really skeptical. That yet another rule set, another set of books, and all that other stuff is really going to reignite the player base. I think the best they can hope for is getting more people or a larger fraction of people in the existing player base to commit to a single rule group, but I don't see it really substantially growing. I mean, if anything, I think their best case scenario is so many people that fell away. There's a lot of good buzz comes out from quote unquote, the perfect rule set. And it bring, I don't think, I mean, frankly, I think it's kind of past its prime on bringing new players into the marketplace. Now you have an opportunity to recapture old, you know, welcome back players, you know. You have an opportunity to do that because people have compelling memories that they would like to try to recreate. And if anything, they'll remember them better than what they really were. (laughs) 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 Um, um, You know, nostalgia is that way. Um, But that's a sizable chunk of the gaming population if they're able to capture that. I personally am falling in the same same court you're in. I think it is a uh, I think it's a money play. You know, you, if you release more stuff, it doesn't matter if you're selling as much. If you inundate the market, maybe you know, try to keep the numbers at a profitable level. Kind of what it that's what it feels like to me a money grab. Uh, yeah, it's kind of contrived. You know, I mean, really. Instead of instead of like redoing the rules yet again, I mean, you guys were talking about the rules earlier, and I was just thinking, you know, just give me a D and D first edition rules, and I'll be happy. I don't I don't really understand why 
there are so many different versions of the rules why they just keep having to redo them, except that it's a great opportunity to make money. Yeah. You know, it's like, now you got to buy all those books all over again. But the rules are different now, and there's these other subclasses. And it's like, that's all stuff a DM should create anyway. They should create a world where people aren't called clerics, warrior, or, you know, cleric, fighter, um, you know, mage, magic user, whatever. They should have come up with their own terminology their own sets of, you know, classes, their own, um, you know, magical abilities. It's like a generic structure that's made to be customized. And so just being bogged down with the rule set, I think, is, is you know, just tragic for a dungeon master and for the campaign that, that they're running. I, th- I think they should really... Well, to a certain extent, they the more products they release, they're kind of a victim of their own thing. Right. The imagination and the the creativity that makes the game fun and interesting to a lot of people, the more the more you release to make it easy for you to use this canned whatever, yeah. the more you chip away at that, what makes it unique and different and special. That's right. I mean, I, you have to give them credit for trying to... I miss to, it, man. I miss it. No. <laughs> <laughs> you have to give them credit for trying to, you know, survive, obviously. You know, if, if everyone was like me... They wouldn't buy anything else from them because they already have everything they feel like they need, which is a dungeon master's guide and a player's handbook. You know, yeah, uh, and from I have the a first edition, that I can I can use oh, yeah. inspiration and pick away at stuff. Yeah, know? exactly. You know, I've got that the fiend folio, um, the monster manual too, the de- deities and dim my gods. You know, when there was a time when I collected all this stuff, and but but I think you know. As, as you kind of mature as a dungeon master, as a player, it really becomes a whole lot less about the mechanics and the... the I mean, the die rolls, are, rolling the dice is fun, but it really becomes more about controlling the narrative of what's going on. It's providing I mean, a it, framework I mean, for the narrative, so... I mean, who in, in their games... I mean, I've dungeon mastered a, lo- uh, a fair number of games. There are plenty of times where to make the story compelling... You lie. I'll a roll. Oh, absolutely. They or yeah. Oh, you rolled a twelve. Well, guess what? You needed an eleven, so you made it. When you really needed an eighteen, according to what I had written down. But but that wasn't what made the game fun. No, that's not fun. It's like I say. It's all about the narrative about what where what's going on. You know, Um, what's you know some of the most fun games I've ever had is where there was actually contention between two players, and there was. You know, two of the players were squabbling during the game, and it was all these things that were happening while they were having their little sub fight or whatever. And it it might have been annoying as hell to some people, but to me it was just kind of interesting. You know, the 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 paladin and the thief aren't getting along, but the mage is siding with the paladin or something like that. You know, I think <laughs> that's like really fun, and you want to build a story around that. You know, um, but or you do but anyway to egg it on, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, or to antagonize <laughs> them further, right? So, um, but it is it is interesting. It's kind of cool that they're kind of trying to, kind of take a strange kind of you know approach to get solicited input from the community, and um, you know I think what would be really cool is if they could spend more time on um, some of the tools that they were working on, like the, the 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 one that allows people to play the games, like have the sessions remotely. So if you have a, 
you know, a bunch of people on the internet with Skype, you know, you can kind of be doing kind of like a WebEx presentation. You can be demonstrating. This is kind of the map as you see it here. And this is, you know, your people and you're talking and stuff like those, some of those tools they were working on a couple of years ago, like taking those to the next level would be pretty cool too. Sounds like metaplace. Yeah. Something like what that. it should have been. What so. it could have, would it could have, should have been. And we yeah. thought this was going to be the small news item. Well, <laughs> we should probably end it on that note um, and move on to our final item. Yes, thank you guys for chiming in on this topic. Listeners, if you have any strong memories or arguments for Dungeons and Dragons to go to bed or to be reinvented, <laughs> you put to rest. In. And we'll put it in next week's show. Um, so a couple days ago, I got a press release from Blake Schuster, who works for Riot Games. And I always get press releases from him, and I normally just go, oh, there's some new champion available, or they've figured out yet another way to pull money out of my banking account. <laughs> um, but this one was really different. And I think I'll I'll kind of try and read it. Um, well, actually, it looks like Noah's paraphrased it a bit, so I'll I'll go Yet with again. what <laughs> I'll go with what Noah's done. Basically, it says that Brandon Beck, co-founder and CEO of Riot Games, in an official statement, has said that Riot Games is opposed to uh, SOPA slash PIPA S O P A slash P I P A in their present form. While we do support efforts to prevent online piracy, the current form of this legislation comes at far too high a cost for us, our players, and online communities across the in Internet. Um, chiming in also on the actual um, Riot League of Legends forums is U.S. Representative Jared Polis of Colorado. Yay for Colorado! <laughs> who says... Is he your representative? That's what I want to know. Uh, yeah, and he actually, um, he plays I mean, like, in Mount your district, is he your representative? Or? I don't know if he's in my, I'll have to look him up. I, I don't know. Do you know Noah? Is he uh, Denver? I'm just well, saying, anyway. Noah, you might find somebody you actually feel okay voting for. We should have him on the show. <laughs> it's hard um, to find those. He's younger than I am. Damn it. I hate it when people are successful and way younger than me. But anyway, um, he's a player of Maokai and, and Nivea, apparently, this Jared Polis guy. Um, but he says, I'm particularly concerned that SOPA might stifle the kind of innovation that brings us the games we love, such as League of Legends. The bill makes it far too easy for angry competitors to sue good, law-abiding companies out of existence. Um, and then in addition to that, Riot's legal counsel, Logan Margulies, uh, took questions on Reddit. And I don't know, did you guys look at the, the what was going on over there at the Reddit AMA section? No. It was crazy. There was just all kinds of people chiming in. And um, most most of the people on Reddit were saying, you know, hats off to you guys for taking a stance. We realize it's just kind of like a, a token statement, but you are still a huge game maker that's coming out against it and in some form. Um, and, you know, so they, they got a lot of thumbs up. And, and it was really funny because usually what it would be would be an incredibly well-written, um, you know, like – affirmation that yeah you guys are on the right track and then a uh, please nerf and then they'd list some champion so it was, obviously <laughs> awesome. they were reddit reddit readers and league of legend players all in one 
And I thought that was really funny um, because <laughs> they were, or they would be like buff, buff such and such. So that that was kind of cool. But um, yeah, it was kind of it was really cool to see that you know the company kind of take a stance, um, actually show up on Reddit to handle uh, you know to kind of chat with anyone interested, and they were like prolific. I mean, the amount of stuff that this Logan guy was pushing out on Reddit was amazing. He was responding to almost every comment that somebody had um, with, you know, well-thought-out, you know, uh, statements. He wasn't doing that legalese thing, which is amazing for a lawyer, where he wouldn't really say what he meant. He was just kind of calling it like he saw it and trying to represent Riot as best he could. And he got a lot of love from the community for that. Um, you know, so anyway, I just thought that was a really interesting story for them to come out. Obviously, because of the nature of their game, you can't pirate it. So <laughs> they're, yeah. they're not really in danger of piracy in any way, shape or form. Well, and they're and they're large enough and their revenue seems to be large enough that they're not going to be sued out of existence. But there are a lot of independent games that could be. Well, one of the things they mentioned was they were really worried about this as far as um, streaming. Um, So, you know, a lot of people find out about League of Legends through YouTube and other streaming services where they have game replays or, you know, different things like that. Well, their concern was if somebody has a replay from one of our games that they're streaming um, and then they have put some kind of, um, you know... uh, uh, like a soundtrack to it or something like that, that instantly violates what SOPA's plan to be, and that would have to be pulled. And, you know, there's just, it just kind of went on and on and on with every, they came up with every possible conceivable, you know, um, way that SOPA Where we use, in our, you know, like we use songs in our, that are pure tribute to great music. Right. That's You're right. Not, now, I mean, to me, Bo, I, I, you know, I, uh, I kind of keep up on internet legislation as a hobby just to see because I, I, some of it's pretty humorous. I think these are just both of these are specific industries targeting people, targeting congressmen, and saying we want this act passed. So push it, and we'll give you some contributions. And it's just like I mean, pretty much. Most internet, anytime you ever see this online piracy, you don't care about online piracy. You really don't, unless you can tax it, which you're not really getting. I mean, <laughs> right? you know, Protect Intellectual Property Act. It's like the patent office already is, is past its prime on intellectual property as it is, and you think that this – I don't know. It's just uh, – it seems just another way – for the dying industries that feel they have you know, a monetary compensation owed them for some ancillary use of their their product um, in any way mentioned in any form, and allow me you know, give me the power to shut down if they don't pay me. That's that seems to be the mo lobbying. You know the whole lobbyist angle. It's just. It's never-ending. It's great because, you know, it totally makes fair use kind of not so so legal anymore. Not yeah. so fair for use. And, it, 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 you know, one of the things, you know, you can argue it any way you want, you know. But 
if I'm an artist, uh, say, say hypothetically I'm a recording artist and I have a song and somebody has some footage or a replay of a game and they put that up there and it's a good song, you know what happens usually is when you read YouTube posts or comments, they go, what the hell is that really awesome song at 315 that kicks in and somebody says what it is and guess what? You've got instant sales. Unless, of course, they just pirate the whole album. But, you know, with, like, Amazon and other services being so easy to actually go and grab what you want legitimately, it's like, you know, it's actually a way for an artist to be, to get their name out in a way, you know? Well, so, I mean, I mean there's a lot of bands I've... If yeah. somebody's getting a direct po- profit from doing it. And there's yeah, no profit go after there. them. Sure. If yeah, they're not... Absolutely. If anything, I mean, you know, marketing folks say there's no such thing as bad publicity. Right, right. <laughs> there's just not. Um, I just, I mean, it just doesn't seem like, I mean, there's no, the, the wording in the acts are very broad. Yeah. You know, very open for interpretation. What does this mean? You know, they don't even have to prove damage. In any way. Yeah. Not even negative connotation. Just use. Yeah. It's pretty bad. Yeah. It's it's pretty well it's pretty open ended. I was I was kinda surprised at how um how broad it was. Well hats off to Riot for taking a stand. Yeah. Definitely. And and you know, it's cool. Hats off to our uh, Colorado representative Jared Polis. Yeah, that for- was a pleasant surprise. <laughs> Yeah, because usually when a col- when there's a story about Colorado involved, it's like some kind of a school massacre or some crazy person doing something. Well, I haven't or, looked up who sponsored this bill. I bet it's you know some of my Bible-toting brethren down here probably. It could be. Well, I don't know. They probably wouldn't know what protecting an IP means. So. What's an IP and what do we need to protect it? <laughs> IP? Is that part of TCP IP? We want to stop those pirates, you know. They, they got we ships want, and they dress We don't want those and, dump trucks moving data through the inner tubes. Oh, well, on that note of uh, exciting technical jargon, maybe we should wrap <laughs> up the podcast before we sink to new depths. Yeah. That is a wrap for episode 181 of Channel Massive. Thank you very much, Scott, for joining us. Oh, man, it's a pleasure. I'm, I'm glad I finally got myself out of some real life yeah. work and did some fun we, stuff so we know you're busy but we always like to have you on and definitely uh, it's always good times yeah i've had a had a several month window here where it's just been pretty crap so <laughs> yeah did you guys mention earlier i wasn't positive but it probably bears worth repeating what server you are on and the older public oh whatever the prophecy of five server on the most of my characters are on the dark side Although you could be light side, but I mean, you could be Jedi. But um, my main character is Bane, and my alt is Morn, as in mourning, so M O R N. And Bane yeah. is B A H N E. And I think my bounty hunter on Prophecy of Five is Marcullus, M A R C U L U S. And then. Uh, and that's it. Yeah. That's my main character. I'm on. Oh, cool. I'm also on the uh, Del Shade Cantina with about six or eight. I like, characters, to, so. I like to think of your main character as Marculus. It just makes me Marculus. Well, I was 
You know, I'm I'm pretty much pissed off because I mean I got pretty early access, and some asshat got Marcus in several different variations on every freaking server. That's not cool. Day one, day one, give me one. You know, it's funny, but Marcus. Whenever you say Marcus, it makes me cringe because that's the name my wife calls me whenever I'm in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) It's Marcus. My God. So, great character name for you, horrible. You're in trouble. Just found out about the strip club bill for me problem. So, yeah. <laughs> now, listeners, if you want to share any of your servers that you're on with us or with the other folks listening to the show, email those in too. We'd love to hear your feedback on the show. Leave us a review over on iTunes or leave us a comment on the website. Or if you want to do that email thing, it's mail. Email. At channelmaster.com. Thank you very much for listening. I hope that you get this episode sooner than last week's. I'm sorry I had a very busy week in last week, so last week's episode went up a little bit later than normal. Either way, this one should go up a little bit faster, and we will be back next week. We bid you adieu. Warcraft for ten years. If I can't play Diablo 3 soon, I might just kill myself.